Jillian, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. I'm, I'm really excited you uh, carved out some time on your uh, Saturday, or sorry, Sunday afternoon for me and uh, in your chateau here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I'm, I love being around and talking to people like you. You guys, you have a very unique type of energy that's very contagious. Like you're just going for things all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's just this really cool attitude you have. And I'm just, yeah, I'm really grateful you're uh, covering some time today. So yeah. thank you and welcome to the show. Thanks for the opportunity. Awesome. That's great. So take us through kind of your journey from, let's start with like the transition leaving kind of post-secondary and kind of give us like a heads up on that and then bring us kind of full circle to where we are now. So like right after high school. Yeah. Um, So at that time in my life, I was not overly convinced or or uh, I didn't have a, a, a straight line of exactly where I wanted to go. Even my career, I wasn't certain that it was gonna pan out as well as it has. I got into hairstyling um, a year after high school, and this is what I'm still doing today. Uh, my mom had a life-saving liver transplant when I was 15, so that was, that was, um, in 2004 when I was also diagnosed with the disease that I that I have so I knew that that was something that was gonna play a part in my future at mm-hmm. the time I didn't didn't know how soon I would become ill and eventually need a, a liver transplant so I think that kinda dampered my um, my ambition and my my future goals not really knowing what was in store in my future yeah. as far as my health went so um, it was uh, early 20s, I was into marathon, um, not so much marathon running, but definitely endurance running, and I had done a couple yeah. half marathon runs oh, before um, I started to get sick. Um, and so that's when sort of my life changed and, and pivoted towards like uh, organ donation being a really, really important part of my life. Um, and And it was at that time when I really had to prioritize my health and really had no other option because yeah. um, my health was failing in my, in my early 20s. Yeah, how do you go about, like, how do you understand something like that, at, like that at such a young age, it seems, it seems like a lot. It was a lot. Through, yeah. um, I don't think I fully understood it at the time. All I had was the example of my mom having been through a transplant, so I had that to look to to see what could potentially happen. I knew that mm-hmm. we're different people and my path wouldn't necessarily be the same as hers, right. but I tried to look to her as a positive example of of overcoming that obstacle yeah. and um, I think it, it is my nature to, to be to remain positive despite the challenges that were brought up mm-hmm. um, in those years and in that time. Mm-hmm. So when you kind of, when you realize that that would be affecting you, right, whether it be with the unknown, right, because it honestly sounds like there's kind of, you don't really know how that's going to affect you, mm-hmm. right, and I can't, I'm trying to understand from somebody looking in how that kind of plays an effect on what you want to do in terms of like your, whether it be athletic accomplishments or your goals that you have, whether for like career or whatnot, like how does that affect that like does that get put on the back burner all that stuff you kind of just wait out or you go out ah, cross that bridge when we come to it for me it, it was uh it was more of like yeah i'll cross that bridge when i get there but for now i know i have to focus on what i'm able to do today in that in that particular moment and for me that was just i had just started my career as a hairstylist so any any dreams or ideas of like accomplishing um a big swim or that was like not even in my mind it was like okay get through this like don't um, don't get lost in um, <laughs> dying yeah. essentially like like just get through what you what you can now so that um, hopefully I can have a future and and I, I didn't know if it meant I would need a liver transplant I didn't right. know that it would mean that I wouldn't be able to work for a couple of years yeah. And that's eventually what ended up happening, but it was more like just take it one day at a time. Yeah. 
I hear you talk about this, and I've had actually a gentleman on the podcast before, and he's actually donated a piece of his liver to his uncle. That's amazing. So, yeah, I can't remember. I think it was like 2019. He was like, maybe, oh no, I should know this. I should know this, shouldn't <laughs> A couple I? years ago? Yeah, yeah back in the, not quite back in the day, but yeah, so it's really cool to hear you say that. And guess what? Switching gears a little bit, mm -hmm. how did kind of swimming come into the picture? Like when did you kind of start? Like you started probably what, when you were younger? Yeah. Yeah, I swam when I was a kid. I think I started swimming when I was four and did lessons. Uh, I was on a swim team, so I was very uh, familiar with like swim practice and doing yeah. pumping out lots of lengths in the pool. Uh, I swam until I was like 15 and that was the time when my mom got really sick. Yeah. And that was the time when I stopped swimming and stopped doing things that brought me joy, essentially. Uh, I kind of went into a downward spiral, but it was it was right after my trans... Like, literally right after I had my transplant, um, somebody came into my hospital room where I was recovering, and he handed me a brochure, and it was all about the World Transplant Games, and I hadn't heard about the World Transplant Games no. until right after I had my transplant. Yeah, literally. And yeah, and I, I saw in the in this brochure that swimming was a sport that you could participate in. And it was literally then and there in that moment I, I was like, I, I need to I need to do that. Like the next following world games were a year away in Spain. And Come on. that's where I set my first goal. I'm gonna compete at the World Transplant Games in swimming next year. And so it was two months after my transplant, I got a membership to the Y. Nice. I got back in the pool, I started swimming again. And swimming became uh, a huge part of my life after my transplant. And I attribute the sport of swimming to the majority of my recovery, physically, mentally. Yeah, it gave me... Um, First of all, I wasn't just, I did start swimming alone, but I started swimming with a team and it brought me yeah. this feeling of like belonging and, um, and it, it made me feel like I was regaining some confidence that I had lost and some strength, all of my strength I had lost after having my transplant and being sick for so long. So swimming just became something that I was totally invested in and as part of keeping myself healthy and honoring my organ donor and my liver um, so swimming just became that thing that like I'm a swimmer now this is how I now identify because yeah. after having my transplant I was a bit lost in like okay well my life was going so fast downhill and mm -hmm. then it got turned around like in one day and it was like I'm well sorry, now what yeah. like now what do I do yeah. and swimming became that that home for me where I felt like I had a new place to be. That's amazing. If that makes sense. No, it does for sure. Yeah. And you go, I feel it sounds like, it sounds like going from somewhere where you're so, you might feel so alone and then to all of a sudden be surrounded by people and especially it sounds like at the World Transplant Games as well where it's people who, the walk a mile in my shoes kind of things. Like yeah. They all did that as well. They've all yeah. have their story, similar yeah. story of wow. overcoming Jeez. and there was like hundreds and hundreds of, of athletes that had a transplant, whether it was heart, kidney, liver, lungs, or double transplants, uh, recipients. Yeah, so you meet people with these crazy stories about how they nearly lost their lives, mm -hmm. and it just brings together this this feeling of belonging, and yeah. um, and it's changed my life. It's yeah. it's it's given me wow. something to focus on that's really positive, and and it's become a passion of mine to promote. That's organ donation so cool. awareness and yeah. yeah and encourage others to do the same thing so wow how um so i had never heard of anything like the transplant games until i kind of started following your story mm -hmm. and tell me what those are like like to compete like what's what's that energy like there and like how, how do you even train for that like is it similar like what are the categories like like so, Tell me about it. Yeah, so the World Transplant Games is essentially a sporting competition for anyone who has had a, an organ transplant. Mm -hmm. um, and the structure is kind of similar to the Olympics. 
the World Transplant Games is recognized by the International Olympic Committee, so it, it, it's not wow. technically Olympics, right. but um, there are hopes that one day we'll have a category in the Paralympics. Yeah, I was about to say, I was like, it sounds like, it, like it's like a next-door neighbor to it. It's a next-door yeah. neighbor. There's definitely a push for it by certain individuals within the transplant community. Whether Amazing. it happens... That'd yeah, so cool. It would be very right? cool. It would be very cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And I don't That's see so why, cool. like... We shouldn't have a place there because sure. the, like I said, the camaraderie of, of people that have similar stories have been through similar things. Yeah. So that makes for a very friendly um, competition. So, like, you're cheering for everyone. You're cheering the loudest for whoever comes in last because you for know sure. what they've been through. Yeah. And, and Yes, there's competition, and some stronger than others. I, myself, I'm very competitive, so when I go to the games, like, I don't just want to have fun. Like, I actually want to win. Yeah, you want to win. 100%. I want to win. Yeah. So, well, see you there. so the training, like, yeah. it depends. There's some people that come to the World Transplant Games who just want to, like, bowl. Like, there's bowling is, is one of the... Oh, no way. Bowling, cool. darts. Um, they have, like, pickleball, I think, in some countries. Uh, there's swimming, all athletics, like yeah. track and field. Uh, there's a 5K road race, which I've um, participated in. Um, for me, like, I love swimming on a master's team. It's yeah. the best uh, place for me to train because there's other people to kind of yeah. um, train against and train with. And you have a coach, so that helps yeah. you reach your goals as far as, like, the times you want to make and the events you want to compete in. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the World Transplant Games, they're every two years. Uh, the next games are in Australia in 2023. So that's going to be... No uh, way! Yeah, so that's pretty Jeez. exciting. So I'll yeah, be training no for those. Well, I already am technically. Yeah. It's just a bit far away right now. But That's wild. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Yeah, when you say master swimming, I think anybody who really enjoys swimming growing up or is in that community and kind of isn't sure like wants to get better at swimming but not so much like in the form of adult lessons right mm -hmm. which is nothing wrong with like, like i've taught them in the past um but master swimming i think is the community of it and growing up my folks partake in that they still do now so growing up kind of and going to these events in like etobicoke or montreal and seeing like just like you said cheering the loudest for that 89 year old man who's coming in last yeah. or one coming in last and there's like somebody who's 103 years old and she's swimming a 1500 yeah and you cheer for just, that it's lady. incredible yeah. you're clapping you don't know how many laps she's got left <laughs> yeah. she's been swimming for 25 minutes you're like this is great <laughs> yeah great. exactly like every, it's ah oh, yeah that's so cool yeah yeah it's one of those things that i think gets missed a lot with like different types of sports i think the community around swimming and it's just something that's yeah, missed. I agree. Oh. I, I wish that there was more hype around swimming. Yeah. Um, but uh, especially in Canada. In Canada, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Like the ISL. Uh, are you familiar with the ISL, the International like Swimming I know League? Of, but not so much. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a push to uh, promote swimming and grow the sport. But um, yeah, you're right. In Canada, there's not a, a huge. Yeah, and I um, think it's like there needs to be more. Like, good Canadians push it, like, other than Penny Alexiak, we all are kind of like, who <laughs> else is there, right? It's like, it's very, very specific, but that's yeah. like, she's an outlier of an outlier, right? Mm -hmm. So, that's, yeah. Yeah, it's frustrating to see, because there's like, I've gone to jiu-jitsu tournaments, basketball tournaments, soccer tournaments, you name it, right? The camaraderie there versus the swimming events is like, there's like the same amount of people, but the energy is very different. Yeah, I think there's a lack of understanding of the sport. Like, like part of it, I think, is because it's not really on TV. Maybe in the Olympics, but like, yeah. like I don't really watch hockey, but like I know enough about it. Whereas yeah. like swimming, if, you, if you're talking to a non-swimmer, they they probably can't tell you anything about the events or, or yeah. what a swimming looks like. Was it? There was a time we were watching. I think it was, it was. Michael Phelps' 100 meter that he did in Beijing where he like won by like one one hundredth of a second. Yeah. Right? That great. I've like. Chad yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I had, thank you, I was blanking for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. But I had um, one of my good friends over who I'm actually picking up tomorrow. Um, 
and he was on the couch with my folks and I and my little brother and we're watching and we're so invested. Like, oh, oh yeah, he's coming up. Oh, he came up too high on a split turn. Oh, he's like, just <laughs> everything from like positioning to like too into it. He's like, oh, I don't give a shit. Like, it's like me watching basketball and I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you it is. You really know what to look for. Exactly, yeah. right? I think it is, like you said, like the, it's like a unawareness around it. That, yeah. And at the, at the club that I train at, I have a lot of friends of mine who are like, oh man, what you, like for cardio, what are you, like what's the best thing for cardio? I'm like, all right, we're gonna break it down to a science. <laughs> they're like, oh, like, you know, I'm cycling 30K a week. And other guys are like, yeah, I run 10. And I'm like, oh, I swim three. <laughs> yeah. Because so, I'm trying to swim like, uh, so you know Matthew's uh, 350K swim that yeah. he's attempting? Crazy, we'll get into that later. Yes. But, so he's attempting to do that. I told him, I was like, dude, to help you in this process and to get me back into the swimming, I'm gonna swim 10k with you for like a duration of you know on the beginning okay. of the days, right? Just like as a cool challenge for myself because I got my own issues with open water swimming, which we'll get to later. Okay. But doing that and that process, I started doing that, and then me at the gym was very different because like just the rounds we would have, my cardio was just up, and everyone's like, <laughs> and I'm like, how's the biking 30 kilometers? Uh, yeah. Like, oh, what are you doing for cardio? I'm like, swimming, swimming. man, it's the best. Yeah. They don't understand. I think it's the breath control too. That's 100% what I attribute it to. Yes, as well. not being able to just like inhale and exhale like three times a second. Like yeah. you really have to focus on planning your breaths. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's ridiculous. It's something you can't, yeah, you can't control. Like, I go, yeah, you can breathe whenever you want, right? Except in the water. Yes. Like, Mother Nature kind of takes over, or the pool in this case. Yeah. But, yeah, so how did that. Take me through kind of from the World Transplant Games and competing and going to, I'm going to now do this crazy swim across Lake Ontario. How did that whole yeah, how did process that... go through? <clears throat> so it was early 2020. Um, I believe the pandemic had started. And I was reading some books. I, In particular, I'll name the books. Um, Find a Way by Diane and Nyad, and then I also read, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name, Ross Edgley's book, um, this, The Great British Swim. Yes. That one in particular where he swam all the way around Great Britain. Crazy. Crazy. Crazy yeah. Right? And so inspiring. Very, and, yeah. um, so all around this time, it was probably March 2020, and we're kind of waiting to hear about like what events are going to be canceled. Sure enough, the World Transplant Games in Houston in 2021 were canceled. So like myself and like my friends that I met at the games, we were like so devastated, right? Because yeah. you're, you're they're only every two years. We're looking forward to it. Houston's pretty close too. It's, yeah, in like, comparison to Spain and Australia. And, and that was sort of like part of the excitement is like, yeah. well, like instead of flying to Spain or flying to Newcastle, where, where I have been to, to games, um, it was like, okay, we're going to the States. Didn't happen. So I started thinking, like, I still want to promote organ donation, mm -hmm. and I still want to do something this year. Like, I don't want to just sit back and, like, wait for things to reopen. So I had, in the past few years, I think I started in early 2018, I started doing shorter open water distance uh, races, so I've done a couple 3Ks, I've done a couple yeah. 5K open water swims, and done fairly well at them, and that's sort of what introduced me into swimming in the open water, not just in the pool. And I discovered how much I loved it, um, and just being in, in, in the open water, more in touch with nature, and in these conditions that were not always predictable, like I yeah. really started to enjoy that so yeah. um i started thinking you know and kind of being inspired by these books about open water swimmers that i had read i thought well i think i want to do my own big swim nice. and i, I don't yeah. think i want to swim across an ocean but perhaps i could swim across a great lake mm -hmm. and then i got online and started researching different routes across different um bodies of water and lake ontario was like the most um challenging as far mm -hmm. as distance and the unpredictability of the currents and the waves and what happens yeah. in Lake Ontario when you approach Toronto because I swam from Niagara on the lake to Toronto yeah. um, 
and I can talk about that later, like the whole current oh, yeah. thing. Um, and so, like the research began, and I decided, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna swim across Lake Ontario next summer, and I'm gonna start training like yeah. today. And even though the pools were closed and the lake was frozen, I began mentally wrapping yeah. my mind around what this is gonna take, and started researching, uh, you know, what it, what it's like to do a swim that's like more than an hour, because that's currently all I had ever done up into that point. So so that's kind of where the idea was born and I invited my friends that I'd met at the Transplant Games to um, to be a part of it and that's when we created uh, the Move for Life Foundation so that we could raise nice. awareness and funds around the swim to yeah. promote organ donation. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. And didn't you guys, um, like, you raised the amount of money for the machine you were trying to we did purchase right yeah so so we set a goal of yeah. $250,000 to raise um, we've raised to date a hundred a little bit over $180,000 amazing which is incredible. incredible and yeah. to be honest it kind of like blew me away that we were able to do yeah. that in the period of time that we did so you don't like say yeah year. Um, <laughs> I know. I just kind of wrap my brain on like that's incredible. I know, um, and going back and watching the documentary that um, that you've watched, like yeah. that's when it kind of hits me. I'm like, whoa, like yeah, I trained to swim across the lake, but we also I didn't do it alone, but we also oh. raised so much money and we were able to purchase um, a piece of equipment for the transplant program that saved my life, mm -hmm. um, so that they can keep doing what they're doing and save more lives and help people out in the position that I was once in. So that is like totally fulfilling to uh, to have been able to do that. I can, oh, I can imagine. Mm -hmm. I, it seems like so many things going on at almost like one time and I look at kind of what you've done, how many things kind of it seems like we're going, like there's the documentary going right, there's the foundation. And there's the swim, not to mention the training, not just the physical training, but the mental training. Yeah. Which for me would be, yeah, a lot for sure. Like, I'm sure, like, between cold plunges and then, like, <laughs> did you, I was actually thinking about this on the way up. Do you want to have, like, do you have an, uh, like, athletic, um, like, psychiatrist? No. Like, oh, sports you know psychologist? Sports psychologist, thank you. Um, I have, on that. I have worked with one before. His name is Mario, and he, um, he approached me in 2017 when I began training for the first World Transplant Games. Oh, nice. And when he heard about the swim that I was doing, he reached out to me again and he, he gave me, kind of reminded me of all the, the things that he had, he had shown me earlier. And yeah. um, as well as the sports psychologist, I was very fortunate to have um, a really great mentor. His name is John Scott. And John actually was my swim master for my swim across Lake Ontario. And nice. Yeah, and the swim master is somebody who is very familiar with the swim across the lake, and mm -hmm. he's on the swim to ensure that safety protocols and all that are are followed, um, and also just to to ensure that the swim can be ratified and um, and like at the end of the swim, you can say, "Yep, she did it," and, and it was. Um, she followed the rules and she didn't touch the boat yeah. but he has he has uh, accompanied like I think he said something like close to 20 people across lakes so he's so experienced in swimming across yeah. Great Lakes and so I had um, I was very fortunate to have um, communication with him throughout the year leading up to the swim yeah. he helped me prepare mentally physically as well like immensely mm -hmm. Like like so much, I, I couldn't thank him enough for what he's wow. done to help me prepare. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, I couldn't wow. have probably couldn't have done it without somebody like him because he really uh, really knew what to tell me. Not only before the swim, but like during the swim, he he yeah. never once told me you know when I was struggling. He just encouraged me to keep going. So nice. Yeah. I was wondering. Oh, that's cool. And he's like he's done the swims. He's done the all, swim. All like he's yeah. he's successfully crossed the lake twice, and he in fact holds the fastest record across Lake Ontario. Come on! Just to give you like 
comparison, my time was 18 hours, 36 minutes yeah. across Lake Ontario. Living. Like, <laughs> well, from the footage I saw, I'm like, she's moving. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I was moving pretty quick, yeah. about 3K um, an hour. And he, he finished Jeez. in like 14 hours and 40 minutes. So, what are you saying? That's crazy. I know. I know. So oh, he was probably man. doing like, I haven't done the math, but it must be like, at least a minute 30 per 100 meters. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe even faster. Clipping. You can do that in the pool, but open water is different. Yeah. I would say. <laughs> Jeez, man. Like there's, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. Like, I've done a handful of, obviously, no Great Lakes yet. Maybe one yet. day we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> yet. But I've done, because I've swam in lakes in the past. I've been in all the Great Lakes. I just haven't just swam, like, distance-wise. But... The fear of open water, like the intimidation aspect of it, is what kind of is making this 10k challenge that I'm going to do a little bit like, because mm. <laughs> the scary. swim part, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little scary for sure. So I'm like, well, what was the mental training like for you? Like, what was that process like of getting into that? Like, do you have a, do you set out going, I'm just going to do these like challenges for my brain or do you go in with a, okay, here's the goal towards the end of the mental game, like just show up every day for X amount of days and then we're going to make it happen or curious about that. Yeah. So I knew that the, the end goal was to swim across the lake. Um, and I knew that I had like at the beginning of my training, I had done such a tiny amount compared to where I had to yeah. go. So I knew that I had to build over time. Right. I knew that I had to train. Well, I knew that I wanted to train every single day yeah. leading up to that swim with you know a few rest days here and there but I really wanted to teach my body that I had to keep going even when it was really hard when I was really tired because swimming across a great lake that's what I was gonna face I didn't want my training to be easy no I didn't yeah, yeah so I, I had to wrap my mind around um, hard training Hard, swimming in the worst conditions yeah. so that I could be prepared for all of it. Mm -hmm. So each each training session was not only just physical training, but it was mental training in itself because I was showing up every day to do something new that I hadn't done before, whether it was right. swimming in colder water, swimming in rougher conditions, swimming further. There was, there was a lot of uh, elements to each training day that I had never... Uh, experienced before so mm -hmm. um, I really had to break it down into okay today the goal is you're gonna swim 5k um, if it's too cold okay wear a wetsuit so you can get the distance in smart and then there were days where it was um, okay the, the lake is um, warm enough and I don't have to swim as far today so I'm gonna stick mm -hmm. it out for an hour and probably be very cold so yeah. so each day like the goal kind of changed but it was all to bring me towards um, swimming the lake at the yeah. end of it all. But the the biggest message in all of this was believing in myself, like that I could do it. I think that's something that I learned. That's what I learned the most um, about swimming across Lake Ontario was how important it was to believe that I was going to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. When it comes to the goal setting process, not just for men like mentally, but throughout the whole thing, is it the same approach you take for each section? You just compartmentalize by going, okay, the mental, these, this is how I'm doing the goals, or then you switch up the styles or the techniques a bit, or do you just have the kind of the same approach to your goal setting for the whole swim itself? Um, if I understand what you mean, I think uh, it was sort of the same approach um, definitely like the physical training and the mental training yeah. were, were separate but I I think for ease and for for time it made sense for me to um, just be extremely mindful when I was physically training that yeah. I was telling myself the right messages and and um, also not listening to the doubts that come that inevitably come up when you're doing something you've never done before. Right. So I kind of looked at the physical training and the mental training almost as one, if that 
Yeah. Kind of makes sense. For sure. Um, yeah, like I took the challenge of each day, the physical challenge, and just thought, well, if I can get through this, like it's just adding another thing to, um, to the list of things that I can say I've done, and that yeah. helped me to build my confidence and and my mental strength to do the next thing. Interesting. Does that? Make it sense? does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, throughout doing all that, because that sounds like for an outsider, I'm sure, it sounds exhausting. Right, like yep. trying to hear like, <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, it was for sure. Um, how do you go about in while still doing all that fundraising? Like, what was your fundraising process like? like tell me a bit about that. Yeah, the fundraising was again very new to me. I've never really taken on anything quite so big before. I've helped yeah. fundraise for other events, but never for my own. And like, yeah. I definitely could not have raised all that money or done what I what we have done alone so um, it really involved a team of people that helped put together like a sponsorship um, brochure that explained what the swim was where the money was going being very clear about where the money was going yeah. and and creating um, a mission uh, yeah. within our foundation so that the fundraising supported the mission. Um, ah, yeah, smart. Yeah. yeah. So our mission is to reduce the wait list for anyone right. who's waiting for a transplant. So oh. the money that we were raising, we're, we raised money to purchase a piece of equipment that is going to help, um, without going too far into this, to help to preserve harvested organs for transplant to mm -hmm. increase the pool of organs that can be used for transplant, thus saving more lives. So when you're fundraising, I think it's important to be super clear to your donors about what, where their money is going. People want to know yeah. how it's going to help, where it's going to go, um, and they want to see examples of, of how it's working. So yeah. it was important for us to create those kinds of, like I said, a brochure or posting online. Um, I think social media has... Um, been such a powerful tool for myself and for yeah. our team to help promote what we're doing, getting the word out. But above all else, having our story, my swim, in the paper or in the media, in on the news, it really helped to promote our what we were doing, and right. it, and it really skyrocketed our donations. Like that's when we started receiving donations from people that we didn't know. Nice. Okay, that was the that was the shift. thing. That was the shift. But all of that couldn't have been done without um, having like a solid structure of like what we're doing, where the money's going, um, who's doing what, yeah. and uh, and like I said, having a team behind you because like I can't be the only one going out there asking for no, you gotta be in pools. help. Yeah, I had to be training. Okay, so lake, uh, yeah. yeah, in the lake, <laughs> the yeah. pools were closed most of the yeah. time. So you take a block. Break the ice. And hop in. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The fundraising yeah. was a big piece. Yeah, it's always been something that I wonder about the proper way to go about doing that. Mm -hmm. Just because with my fr our friends swim and seeing kind of the pieces as they because we're in the beginning beginning stages yeah. of it, right? So seeing kind of how everything's coming together and the process of and his attitude, amazing. Love the guy. He's got the attitude of. I want to enjoy the process as much as I can. As much as I can. That's which is, great. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's got to have that attitude. You have to, right? Yes. And so, big or small, I feel that's like a a need. Like it's a must-have way, I guess, outlook on it. But what I'm wondering, because I'm sure you had a similar attitude towards it, um, do you have like a favorite moment from the process of getting to the swim, and like a least hmm. favorite moment? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, my favorite moment. Oh, there was lots. Um, I think, I don't know if I could think of a least favorite. Um, that's good. Yeah, that's like there was definitely days where, like, the training was really hard. Um, but, and like in the moment I was like, I'm not liking this right now. I can remember a day where... It was in April, so the lake was still pretty cold, and I and I 
was determined to do this three-hour swim without a wetsuit on. Yeah. And the air was like two degrees like it was really cold it was one of those like odd days where like the temperature just dropped that's gross yeah. yeah and i was at a smaller lake for this training so the water was like hovering around 60. so okay it's cold but it's not like that bad but when the yeah. air is cold way worse is way worse so i remember that day like i couldn't wait for that swim to be over um so that was probably like a least favorite but when i look back and when I looked back, even while I was swimming across Lake Ontario, I thought of that day a lot because mm. I was in a I was in a bad spot in my head, but I got through it anyway, and that built the resilience that I needed to to get through yeah. the hardest parts of swimming across Lake Ontario. So even all the bad stuff, the bad stuff ended yeah. up being like really helpful in the end. And I interesting, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I would say like the, the most favorite would just be the, I'd have to say like the overall uh, feeling of having so many people on board to help me do this. Um, there was, there, I can't really pinpoint like one specific time because there was so many where somebody would just show up, my videographer for example, Kyle, like he would drive out to the beach to meet me to film some stuff. like totally out of his way to help me promote the swim and then there were yeah. these other two young girls who made bracelets mm. and raised like no a couple thousand dollars to donate um, to, to Move for Life Foundation yeah. like just the like how it brought people together um, it's overwhelming and I feel uh, just so grateful that I was yeah. able to to do that and to bring bring people together to promote a cause that means a lot to me. Um, yeah, so I guess that's yeah. that was like a, a highlight. Yeah. Do you yeah. meet any, like what was one, like who's one person that kind of you met over the course or get, I guess got connected with that had like the biggest impact you think on your uh, on the journey that so, I met yeah. mm -hmm, that I didn't know before exactly mm, there's a few um, I already mentioned John yeah. so John was like definitely up there um, my team that I knew was great I have nothing bad to say about any of them oh, but nice. um, I met a girl named Vanessa and Vanessa came on board to be a pacer for the swim um, like a week before I did the, the swim. So I had pacers, uh, pacers for anybody who doesn't know are people that kind of support you in the water as you're doing the swim. So like mm -hmm. in my case, it wasn't to keep me swimming faster. It was just to keep me motivated and emotion yeah. for emotional support to have somebody in the water swimming portions of Lake Ontario with me. And um, two two pacers um, kind of bowed out last minute, and so I was left with only two. And I thought, well, I should have somebody else. And Vanessa came into the picture like a week before my swim. I drove to Toronto so that I could meet her, and we did a little test swim together. Wow. And as soon as I met Vanessa, there was um, there was an energy about her that. I just knew it was going to work. That's so cool. It was so cool and I'm so grateful to have met her and we still remain friends to this day and she's, she's just such a fireball like she was like I don't even care if I don't end up swimming I just want to be there and support you and watch it watch you make history yeah. like she had that kind of she had that kind of attitude wow. and um, and on the swim she was the first one in the water with me and she's like yeah girl like we're gonna do this like let's go like she just had this awesome uh, enthusiasm and energy that she brought to the swim and it yeah. was contagious not just to me but to the rest of the team and she just really added a lot to um, so cool. to the crew across yeah. the lake so yeah how important is it having like talking about the importance of having that solid team behind you it's everything it's so much and I was kind of stressed about creating my team and, and I knew like the, the solid foundation team that was going to be there um, 
but you can't get caught up in, well, I have a friend who swims and I really want her to be there, but she, like, I don't really know how she's going to contribute. Like, you almost have to be, and I've said this before, you almost have to be kind of selfish about sure. who you're choosing to be on your crew. Yeah. For me, it was important to have everyone on the crew, on board, has a purpose, has a job, um, and is positive. Like, I, like as much as I love my mom, and she is a very positive person, <laughs> I didn't want my mom to be there because yeah. I, I, w I knew that she would be worried, and she would 100%. be. And if if I was looking like I was struggling or or having a hard time, she yeah. she would be looking over the side of the boat like like Oh, Jill, are you gonna be okay? I did not want any of that. I didn't want to see yeah, that. Um, I was so happy to see my mom at the end of my swim, yeah. um, of course, um, but it's those kinds of the decisions that I had to make to ensure that everybody that was there was in full support of what I was doing, believed in, in what I was going to do, huge too. Yeah. totally had to believe that I was going to do it. I didn't want to mm -hmm. have any doubters there. Um, and I've said this before and I, I'll keep saying it, I could not have done it without my team. Yeah. There's no way you can swim across the lake by yourself, even if, even if you're you have like one boat. Like we needed the experienced navigator, the Christine, her name yeah. is, who led the way across the lake. She got us across in like a perfect straight line. Amazing. Now I could have swam 70 kilometers across Lake Ontario if I had an, an experienced pilot. Yeah. I'd be zigzagging my way across. So like right from there, like yeah. so important to have a good pilot. So important to have good Zodiac drivers. Zodiacs are the support boats that's, that were in the water beside me. So when I would turn to breathe, I would look at that boat, make sure I was staying in line with that Zodiac as it was following the lead boat. So the whole team had a place. They all had to work together. Yeah. The person feeding me had to know, um, you know, throw the bottle in front of me, not behind me. I'm not going backwards. Yeah, I've already been there. I've already been yeah. there. I'm not going backwards. Reel it back in and throw it again. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. And I was fortunate to have a dietitian work with me as well. So somebody that understood sports nutrition mm -hmm. and how a swimmer digests properly while you're swimming. It's mm -hmm. different than running. It's different than very, any other yeah. sport. So, um, so I took, I took it very seriously to create uh, the crew that I thought was going to support me best in getting across yeah. the lake. It's it's funny you mentioned like how different it is in the nutrition wise from like like the running and the swimming. Mm -hmm. I remember, so the pools are closed, right? So yeah. what a friend Matthew and I would do is every Thursday we would swim for an hour together. But when the pools closed for the whatever shutdown X amount of weeks it was, we'd meet up on the exact same time on the Thursday. We would. If we were going in the pool, instead of going in the pool, we'd lace up our Nikes and go for a <laughs> run. run. Way worse. I'd much rather be swimming. Yes. But, like, right? Like, yeah. it's, just, it's just way more fun. Yeah. But I just going and doing that, and then after I run, I'm like, I get there, and I'm like, I know I should eat. I'm just not hungry. But yeah. after, after I'm like, after I swim, like last week, it was like the first week back in a while, and I get back in the pool, and I get out, and I get to my house, and I'm like, Look at my girlfriend, I'm like, babe, what's uh, what's there to eat? And she <laughs> yeah. runs off a list, and I'm like, all right, cool. So then there's chicken fingers. I open up just like a couple of cheese buns, throw everything in it, and I just, yeah. and I'm like, gotta eat. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, funny how like swimming, you, you have this crazy appetite, and running, it almost takes it away. Yeah, I think you almost feel like you don't want to. It's not like a stomach upset thing, right? It's, a, it's like, I just don't want to. I don't feel want like want it. To. Yeah. 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 And something I discovered while I was swimming across the lake was like, like you're, well, I knew this, yeah. you're horizontal. So like, I don't know if there's a difference between when you're like running and your food is digesting or you're like swimming and your food is trying to digest. So it's like not going down the same way. And like, huh. um, yeah, so digestion's different. Yeah. I guess while you're eating and then you're swimming. Cause I know there's that, what, there's that common myth. Is it, is it oh, a myth or a rule of like, you shouldn't swim 30 minutes after you? Yeah. It's gotta be a myth, a right? Myth. Cause I totally yeah. ate the whole way across the lake. I yeah. I was going to ask, I was like, no, there's no way that's gotta be real. But... No, I think I ate like, I want to say between three and 5,000 calories across the lake. Jeez. Yeah. And they were segments of 40 minutes. So every 40 minutes, um, my team would ring a bell and then they would throw something in the water at me. Nice. Yeah. Forward. Of course. Like yes. Yeah. Yes. Smart. Yes. <laughs> did you like, 
during the swim, because I was listening to a couple of podcasts on the way up, but you said what you weren't, you didn't want to eat anything, or you weren't hungry at all afterwards. Yeah. I would have thought you'd have like a meal plan you're like, oh my god, I'm going to eat X amount of bacon and like some Big Macs, I, whatever. I did. I, I even like posted about it. I was like, what should I eat right after my swim? And then a couple of marathon swimmers actually chimed in and they were like, you're not going to be hungry. And I was like, ah, I find that hard to believe. And it was true. Like, I think generally, you know, after an hour swim practice, yeah, yeah I'm ravenous. But like after swimming 18 and a half hours, I... I don't know what happened. My my appetite was turned off for a couple days. Um, I knew that I needed to eat something as soon as I finished. So like we had some food out for the crew, and and I ate ended up eating like a wrap. But like it was hard to get it down. And then even the next morning, we went for breakfast. I had eggs Benedict, and it was delicious. But I wasn't like it. What took me a few days oh. for my appetite to kick in. Weird. It was very weird. Do you know why that is? Like having spoken to the marathon swimmers and experiencing it yourself, like, do you know why? I don't. Why do you think that is? My best guess, I don't know for sure, is um, I, I kind of compared it to like, well, when I run, um, I'm not hungry after, and I think it's because it it's such a it's a bigger effort. Like yeah. I don't know if it's like the cardio or what, but it's a big effort and. It almost takes away this, uh, maybe I just, I'm too lazy to eat or too tired to eat. And I kind of think it's the same after swimming for that long. Um, you're just like, oh, like I'm done. I don't want to do anything. And it was like, it was kind of like that where I just, I, it just took away my appetite. I just, I don't have a good answer for you. <laughs> that was it. That's funny. How nice of a feeling was that to, like, when you hit the wall? Yeah, and picture. you're like, I'm just gonna hang out here. Like, tell me about that. Like that last little bit from that moment where you knew that you were gonna finish, right? Because I'm sure doubts creep in and like the confidence takes over, and you're like, Nah, I got this. But at what point were you like, I'm like, it's there. I'm doing it. It was actually a lot earlier than you'd think. Um, I told my husband Zach that before the swim, I said, yeah. I don't want any updates. Don't tell me. Where if I've done 5k, 10k, I only want to know when I'm over halfway. Smart. Yeah. yeah. And so, sometime during the day, he, uh, John, my swim master, said, Jill, Zach has something to tell you. And no way. And I look over <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, you're more than halfway. You have less than 20k to go. And that's when I realized I'm doing this. Like I know I'm gonna make it. Because it was over halfway. That's crazy. I'd already swam further than I ever have. I was at like yeah. like 35 or so K. Wasn't nine your like max before? Nine hours. Nine hours, yeah. Nine hours. So I had swam a 25 and a half kilometer swim. That was the longest swim before Lake Ontario. Nine hours in the water. Yeah. Nice. Um, so that was the moment that I knew. Uh, like. I know I can do this. I've already done more than half. I know I've got enough left in me. I mean, there were a few bumps on the road, like between then and the finish, yeah. but I never lost, never lost faith in in the fact that I was going to finish. Like I always believed that I was going to finish it, even though things got really challenging towards the end. Um, and swimming into the wall, the last like three minutes where I could see the people that were waiting and cheering for me to finish, yeah. um, I kind of paused uh, about maybe 200 meters away from the wall and yeah. I looked up and I saw everybody and I'm just like, that's when the tears started to stream, like holy shit, I've already done this. Yeah. And, um, and then touching the wall. Uh, and as I kind of described it, it's the only way I've been able to describe it because it's such a different feeling than anything else I've yeah. really experienced, aside from having a liver transplant where you wake up the next day and you're like, wow, I have my life back. That's I crazy. felt like I had um, taken this trip around, like like I'd gone to space or something, yeah. and I had landed. It's like, I'm back, and, and I did that. Wow. It was just a, like... It was mind-blowing, and I'm so glad that it was captured on film because yeah. I saw the moment where I felt that in the video, where I was like, like, whoa, I just did that. Like, I just swam for 18 and a half hours 
And all that thinking and all of that preparing and all the work that I had put into doing this, it paid off. Wow. And it was like, and I think that's why I kind of stayed in the water for a few minutes after. Like, I had people ask me, like, I thought I'd be like getting out immediately. Why did you just hang out in the water? You were like treading water after. And I was like, I was taking it in. I was like, everybody's here cheering me on. And, and like, this is, this is the moment that I had been preparing for. And so I'm just going to sit here for a couple, yeah, Yeah. savor this moment. Keep the light shining on you. Yeah. And take it in. And maybe it sounds selfish to some people, but hey, I felt like I had was worthy of a few minutes of yeah. <laughs> that. I mean, if you don't, I don't think you can achieve anything of much magnitude, let alone something of crazy magnitude like what you've done and what you're doing, without being selfish. Yeah, you know what point. I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, selfish is kind of a tricky word to use. Yeah, it right? is. Right, because it's for something greater than yourself. Yes. But it's like you're doing this for you. Yes, and and it's good you mentioned that because I struggled with that a little bit in my training because I every day I was like gone for hours to train and and that felt selfish. I was like like putting you know my friends and family and other commitments aside. No, I have to go to the lake and train. Yeah, it felt selfish, but I had to remind myself that it wasn't. Yes, it was for me. Yeah. Yes, I was going to do this swim, but it was for a much bigger purpose. Yeah. So it wasn't just me. It was for others and for to inspire others and for a bigger purpose than just a personal goal. Yeah. Yeah. So so when you say selfish, yeah, like it, there was moments where it felt I felt like I was being selfish, but I think like you said when you have when you're doing something big, you have to take that kind of time to right. uh, to prepare yeah. properly for it. Right, and if you don't, then that whole plan to fail, fail to plan type of thing, it's like it, you have to be selfish in that planning process and to get there, and I don't think it could, I also think it could be achieved to the level you want it to without it being like that, right? Like you have to be selfish. Yeah. So. And a, a, a side note, yeah. um, when there's so many other people supporting your goal and helping yeah. you, uh, if you're not showing up 100%, like, what is that? Like, I didn't feel that that was right for the people that were stepping up to help me. Right. Like, if I'm asking for that, their support in this, yeah, you have like, to I need to show up 100% too. Because yeah. otherwise, like, what, how, how is this going to happen if the team leader is like not doing their part, you know? Yeah. So, so that was a part of my justification for being selfish to, to train and to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting line, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I think the more I meet people and talk to people and have them on the show or even just in person or friends of mine who are... I see them kind of go into this space of they're doing something and they're doing it for, they want to hammer down and achieve this goal of like whether it be making it to the Olympics or like personal best or whatever it is, right? Or raising money for X, Y, Z. They can't do that. Like Matt every day tells me, like, yeah, I have to get selfish when it gets to this point or when it gets, he's like, yeah, it's for something else. And like, don't feel bad though, right? Like yeah. it's okay. It right? You're okay. allowed to be selfish. Otherwise it doesn't reach the magnitude that yes. it can. So. Yeah. And people... Expect it, and that's something I didn't always um, I, could, I didn't always remember was that people expected me to be gone all the time and train. Yeah. Like it would be weird if like a week went by and I and I wasn't doing my part. They'd be like, well, "Aren't you supposed to be doing that?" Yeah. Like, so, well, my friends wanted to hang out for a bit, so yeah, so yeah, I got distracted and yeah. yeah. How important do you think? growing up swimming was in terms of playing a role to you being able to accomplish this like years down the road? I think it was huge. I've had a lot of people ask me, well, you must have swam as a kid. Yeah. And um, I not to say that I don't think I, it can't be done if you didn't grow up swimming, but mm. I, I think that the foundation was there. And even when I returned to the water just shortly after my transplant, yeah. I felt like, oh, like kind of like getting back on a bike, like, oh yeah, this is familiar. I had to work on my technique nice. and, and 
and that, of course, and, and I did that for a few years before swimming across the lake, but um, I think I think the, not just the physical part of being able to swim, but um, I think I think to be good at swimming, uh, you really got to practice the discipline. And, yeah. and I think I had an early introduction to that as a young swimmer mm-hmm. to show up every day and, and keep practicing because you know when you're out of the water for a few days, you lose your feel of yeah. the water. Oh, for sure. So I think to to know, going into training for a lake crossing, knowing that discipline was such an integral part of the training, yeah. um, I think that really helped me out uh, in the end. Um, and and freestyle like was always my favorite stroke. Nice. So yeah, yeah. So I um, I think that that just translated really well because you don't see a lot of people. There's a few, but you don't see a lot of people doing other strokes crossing lakes. That's right. You don't. Yeah. yeah. There are the Vicky Keiths that swim butterfly across she's Lake Ontario. Else, she's on another know? level. Yeah. There's yeah. Nah, she's just, that's <laughs> good for her. Yeah. Her she like mocked a Big Mac after too, or like midway through during. something. Yeah, yeah she it told was. Me that. yeah. That's incredible. Like, yeah. Jeez, that's yeah. That's I don't even know what that is. That's just that's insane. She did the English Channel all butterfly yeah. too. Yeah, and so like thinking about somebody like her in the middle of Lake Ontario really helped me. Oh, I bet. Like, somebody can swim butterfly across this lake. I sure as hell can swim freestyle across the lake. Oh yeah. Especially oh, yeah. because it, the lake was giving me, it was, it was giving me such great conditions that day. I'm like, I can't let this go to waste. Yeah, I kind of didn't believe it was Lake Ontario when I saw the like how calm it was. Mm-hmm. I was like, this very, is so very clear. Lucky. Yeah, what goes through like your head during the swim when you're like looking down into the into the abyss? Because this <laughs> is the exact part that intimidates me about open water swimming. Uh. This is a selfish question. No, that's way, like, fair. I, like, I want to know. You want to, yeah, yeah, to help you out yeah. in the future. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I get that question a lot. And I, the best way I can describe it was, it was like a big, long meditation. It was like uh, focusing on my breathing, focusing on being in the present moment, not mm. getting caught up in the doubts, not getting caught up in the thoughts of, oh, I don't know if I can do this. It was really just focusing on what I needed to do in that exact second to get yeah. me to the next one. Just one stroke at a time, right? Yeah. So I really didn't think about anything that profound or um, like didn't come up with any ideas. It was very much present the whole time nice. and um, I counted a lot. I counted yeah. my strokes. I counted um, to the next feed. Like I, I was taking a stroke every second. That was my stroke rate. So. I was counting the time and um, counting time essentially and, and trying to find like a beat in my head. There was no, um, there was no like what if thinking or, yeah. or, or doubtful thinking. I had practiced that in my training so that right. I was in a good place mentally when I swam the lake. That's the whole mental training aspect yeah. paid off. Yeah. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Do you have kind of like a whole kind of overarching? <laughs> whole overarching like lesson in regards to everything you learned from like the process of dealing with the transplant to now like do you have any like as you kind of wrap it up any like pieces of like wisdom or advice that you'd pass on to whether it be somebody going through something similar you've been through or somebody just even attempting a great lake or just overall life in general um yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of little lessons but um to sum it up, up into one would be uh, the power of, like, stressing the importance of the power of our thoughts and, yeah. um, and, and what our mind, how powerful our mind is. Uh, that helped me tremendously getting through my illness and having a transplant and, and through the swim. Like, there's some parallels there for sure where you're struggling through something to get to a better place mm-hmm. and um, not to underestimate the value of positive thinking and also just being aware of the doubt the doubts that come up like like not believing in yourself 
that can manifest and, and mm -hmm. create bigger problems. So yeah. I think that would have to be the overarching lesson was just mastering your mind and and believing that you can do something and being resilient when challenges come up and persevering yeah. through them. Amazing. <laughs> that was cute. <laughs> yeah. So where can um where can people find you? Like where can people find you? Where can they like see the documentary? Where can they donate? Yeah, so people can find me online. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. Jillian underscore best is my Instagram handle. Um, Facebook, my name, my website, moveforlifefoundation.com. We're also on Instagram as well, Move for Life Foundation with a dot between each word. And um, people can donate on our website directly. Um, we, we have some really cool uh, news coming this spring in regards to the event that we're planning for 2022. Excited. Yes, it's very exciting. Yeah, uh, I can't awesome. give too no, many no, details no, yet. No. I have I have told some assume, people yeah. so like yeah, the, no stress. the gist is a is nice. a, is a really big relay around yeah. Ontario. Oh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited I'm too. Excited for you guys. Um, and yeah, I'm very open for people to if you want to reach out like mm -hmm. message me on Instagram or or Facebook, like I'm, I'm an open book and I like to help people um, yeah. reach their goals and or see their potential, so awesome. I'm open. That's amazing. So Jillian, I'm like beyond grateful for you inviting me to your home Yeah. and introducing me to to your people, your dogs. <laughs> My pugs. <laughs> you know, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'm really grateful for your time today. And, uh, yeah. Thanks very much for Thank being on the so show. Thank you so much. That's you know, great. Awesome. <laughs>